All right. Well, normally uh, I start my sermons off by inviting you to turn somewhere in your Bible. Uh, however, today's going to be a little different. If you want to open your Bible, you can turn to Psalm 121, which is where we were at last Sunday. And I'm going to read just two verses from Psalm 121 here in just a minute. Uh, and before I get too far into this lesson, uh, it, it's not going to be long, I promise you, in case you're getting hot. But man, it feels pretty good. And so I do. I mentioned Neil Venable earlier. I also want to say thank you to Sam Melson for providing this fan uh, and keeping me alive today. So thank you for that. And thank you again, Jimmy, for the speakers. So thank you. Um, Thursday afternoon, I left the office. I had my sermon notes printed. I had my PowerPoint made. I emailed out the discussion guide. I was ready to go for Sunday to preach on Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 19, meeting God on the mountain at Mount Sinai. And it was going to be good. I was ready for it. And then Thursday night at 1.30, I was watching the most insane lightning storm I've ever seen. I opened all the windows, well, opened the blinds in our house. And I watched that storm, the electricity went out. I had a feeling the Sunday may change. So the plan that I had when I left Thursday is not what I'm preaching today. Sometimes you just kind of got to go with the flow. Uh, last Sunday morning, I know we've had a lot of people traveling, but I, I started this new sermon series called Meeting God on the Mountain. And I surveyed those who were here and I asked you, on your vacation preference, would you rather go to the beach or go to the mountains? And I'm not going to ask you that again because there was way more hands that went up for the mountains. So I'm just going to stick with that. More of you would rather go to the mountains than go to the beach. Although if you're still without electricity, you would probably take either one. But this summer we're studying meeting God on the mountains because the mountain is such an important location, is such an important setting in Scripture. Many heroes of faith met God on a mountain. And we're going to talk about some of those stories as the summer goes on. So there's a lot of literal mountains that we see in Scripture. But then there's also the language of mountains that we use symbolically. For an example, sometimes we talk about having a faith that can move mountains. Have you ever heard that before or used that yourself? Yeah, having a mountain-moving faith, that comes directly from Jesus. As an example, in Mark chapter 11 and verse 23, Jesus said, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, Be uprooted and throw yourself into the sea. Now, most of the time when Jesus says something kind of wild like that, there's a deeper meaning behind it. But from Jesus' teaching, we get this statement of faith that can move mountains or a mountain-moving faith. So when we talk about mountains, sometimes we talk about it symbolically in that sense. But a lot of times, symbolically, metaphorically, when we talk about mountains, we talk about a mountaintop experience. How many of you have heard that expression in church, church camp before, mountaintop experience? How many of you have used that before? Okay, how many of you in the last week or two, you have you have had what we might call a mountaintop experience with God? Anybody? Okay, that's what I thought, because we have several people in the room who I think have had a recent mountaintop experience with God. I'm going to explain what I mean by that for just a couple minutes. So when I, when I was a teenager growing up, I would have a recurring mountaintop experience with God every June. Our youth group would go to a church camp, 
and pretty much every year without fail, I would come home, and that's the only way to describe that experience that I had at week at camp that week is it was a mountaintop experience. Now I didn't really do anything to try to manufacture that. I would just sign up, pack a bag, bring a Bible, bring a pen. I didn't try to force it or manipulate it. It just happened. It's just like that's how you would describe that week. That was a mountaintop experience with God. Now, when you go to a church camp, because I know we got our Camp Deer Run staff here today, and I'm going to talk more about camps here in just a second. But when you go to a church camp, there's a lot of supporting factors that would help you have a mountaintop experience. I mean, you're there for a week, and you're away from your normal environment, the normal stresses of life. Hopefully, you're away from distractions like technology, social media, TV. You're surrounded by other believers who are on the same journey as you. And when you're at a church camp, you have an intensified focus on God. Those are several factors that help contribute to a mountaintop experience. I served as a youth minister for about six or seven years. There was a year there where I was doing both preaching and youth ministry. But that's six or seven summers worth of taking youth groups to church camps. And every year, it was like I had to twist their arm to talk them into going to camp with us. They would leave one year and be like, I'm definitely going next year. But then the whole year goes by and they're like, I'm not sure if I want to go. One of the leaders in our youth group was coming up with all kinds of excuses one summer as to why he couldn't go to camp. And I finally talked him into it. At the last night of camp, we broke out to our youth groups and we did kind of a goodbye Devo or a closing Devo, not a goodbye Devo, closing Devo. And that same youth group member who I had to talk into going to camp, he was very emotional and he said, you know, this week, it has to be a small glimpse of what heaven may feel like. If you've ever had a mountaintop experience, maybe you could say the same thing. It's a taste of heaven. A mountaintop experience is uh, defined by a guy named Jarrett Stevens as a high mark in your relationship with God. It's a time when you sense the closeness of God like never before. His presence is near. Your spiritual vision seems clear. And you resolve to follow him no matter what the cost is strong. And I can keep going with that definition. Originally, I was going to put it up on the screen, but we don't have that option. So I won't bore you with the definition. But maybe you get the idea. A mountaintop experience. You are extremely close to God. It's almost like you could reach out and touch God. And your spiritual vision, your convictions are stronger than ever if you have a mountaintop experience. I look around the room and as I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking about how we got several members of the Camp Deer Run staff here today. We have some of our own members, if they showed up today, who have been at Camp Deer Run for the last two weeks. Uh, we, I see Josh and Heather and Aaron and Lauren are here somewhere. Where are you, Aaron? There you are. <laughs> You're right there. They just got back with the youth group from Nebraska. They've been in a camp called Soul Quest all week. And I looked around the room, and I think I saw a few people that have been in Ghana. Who's been in Ghana the last couple of weeks? You guys over here? Okay, a few of you. You just touched down in the U.S. soil and returned from that trip. SoulQuest Camp Deer Run, Ghana. I'm guessing that you are some of the ones who raised your hands and said you have had a mountaintop experience with God recently. Now, for everybody else, it's like me, that you kind of had a semi-regular week other than a storm. You probably did not have a mountaintop experience with God this week. But if you could do it, maybe you can think back to your past. Maybe you had a church camp experience, a retreat, something like Winterfest, a mission trip that you've been on, where you have sensed that closeness with God and what we're calling a mountaintop experience. So think back. 
So whether you've had a recent mountaintop experience or you've had one in the past, be thankful. Be thankful that God met you on the mountain. Life is not meant to be lived on the summit, but it's nice to return there every once in a while. So be thankful for a God who gives you those moments, those glimpses of your nearness with Him. It's on my own mountaintop experiences that I've made lifelong commitments, that my faith is being reassured that because of that nearness with God. And it's on these mountaintop experiences that my hope for the church has been restored. It's like I get a renewed vision of what the church can be or should be. But I've had to often remind myself, and sometimes I have to remind others, that if you have a mountaintop experience with God, remember that we worship God, we don't worship the mountain, and we don't worship the mountaintop experience. Moses and the Israelites had this insane encounter with God on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19 and 20. Wouldn't it be crazy if Moses, in response to that, started worshiping Mount Sinai? Or Elijah has this experience, this powerful experience with God in 1 Kings chapter 18 on Mount Carmel. And wouldn't it be crazy if Elijah, instead of worshiping Yahweh, started worshiping Mount Carmel? Or look at Peter, James, and John. They go up on a mountain with Jesus. Jesus is transfigured before them. And wouldn't it be crazy if Peter, James, and John started worshiping that mountain rather than worshiping the Jesus whom they saw transfigured before them on that mountain? We don't worship the mountain. We don't worship the mountaintop experience. So Psalm 121, uh, this, we spent the whole sermon last Sunday going through all eight verses and explaining this psalm. So if you're interested, you can go back and listen to that. And so I'll just read verses 1 and 2. In Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2, it says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The writer, the traveler, the pilgrim, the one who is headed towards Jerusalem is writing this psalm. And he's setting out for a journey and he's saying, where does my help come from? I'm lifting my eyes to the mountains, but my, my help does not come from the mountains. My help comes from the God who made the mountains. So if you've ever had a mountaintop experience, the temptation might be, to elevate that experience or that place that you're at above the kingdom of God. So if you've had a mountaintop experience, because I've had to remind myself of this quite often, is remember it's not about the place or the experience as much as it is about the kingdom of God. You've had experience with God. You've had experience with the kingdom of God. So focus on that, no matter where you go in life. Don't obsess over the place or the experience but the God in whom you encountered on that mountaintop experience. And then when you come home, some, there's always a point in which you have to descend the mountain. If you've ever hiked a mountain, which I've, I've hiked a few 14,000 foot plus mountains in Colorado, you get to the summit, it's an awesome view. You're looking over the Rocky Mountains, it's amazing. But you gotta get back down the mountain before storms come, because you don't wanna get struck by lightning. And then you look around and you're like, life cannot be sustained up here on the summit. It's nice to go to the summit every once in a while, but you can't live up there. Eventually, you have to come back down that mountain. You have to descend. Go back to the valley. Most of life is lived in the valley. So what's going to be your attitude? If you've encountered God on the mountain, what's your attitude when you're in the valley? Are you disappointed? Because sometimes that's the feeling. You, you have this mountaintop experience with God, and then you come back home, and you're like, man, church 
is it like church camp? Or I was just on this mission trip. We were baptizing people, feeding the hungry. We're doing amazing things. And then people were just kind of walking around doing their normal thing here. They're not on fire for mission like they were on the mission trip. Or we think, man, the song service, it's not as emotional as it was on my mountaintop experience where the sermons are bland. And it's easy to come back with a grouchy attitude or disappointment. But what I would challenge you to do, especially those who have had a recent mountaintop experience, is to bring that transformation home with you. If you've had an experience with God and Christ Jesus on a mountain somewhere, symbolically, metaphorically, that transformation that should be taking inside of you, bring it home with you. Be a light in the dark world. If you've had a mountaintop experience with God, be thankful that God gave you those moments. Keep your perspective of who it is that you worship. We worship the God of the mountain. And bring that transformation back home with you. Now sometimes mountaintop experiences happen when you least expect it. In fact, that's kind of how they normally happen. You're not planning on it. And a mountaintop experience can happen even on a Sunday morning or a weekly church gathering. A mountaintop experience could happen when you worship in the dark on a Sunday morning. A mountaintop experience could happen on a Wednesday night or somewhere in your home. God will meet you where you are. I went to the Tulsa workshop, uh, which doesn't even exist anymore, but several years ago, you go to the Tulsa workshop and there was all kinds of speakers. I heard one preacher tell the story that I've never forgotten. He said that at their church on Wednesday nights, they would rotate different men speaking. Uh, and you know, so you just sign up, you could lead the, the devotional or short sermon. There was one, one guy at their church that was deathly afraid of public speaking, and he had never done it before. So he courageously signed up one Wednesday night to speak. And I don't know if he was courageous or somebody just talked him into it, but regardless, he was super nervous. He showed up to give his devotional talk. And as he's sitting there, his heart rate is elevated and he's starting to sweat, like pouring sweat. Somebody got up and did the announcements. There was a few songs. There was an opening prayer. There was another song. And by this time, he is drenched with sweat. And it's his turn to get up and speak. He gets up. He takes his handwritten notes out of his pocket, out of his overalls that he's wearing. He put it on the podium. And he looked down at him, and he couldn't see him. He was sweating so much. The paper was soaking wet, and the ink had smeared all over the paper. So here's a guy who's definitely afraid of public speaking, and now his notes have been taken away from him. It was a long and awkward silence. And the people that knew this about him were wondering, as he froze up, like, is anything going to come out of his mouth? And after this long, awkward silence, he said the only thing that he could think of at the time. And he just said, I love Jesus. Pause for a moment. And he said, I just, I really love Jesus. Pause for another awkward silence. I, I just really love Jesus. I just really love Jesus. He just kept saying that over and over. And he started to get emotional, not because he was nervous, but because he realized that statement, that proclamation that he was making was true. He really loves Jesus. The preacher who was telling this story said that if you knew the guy, you knew that his lifestyle backed up what he was proclaiming. With the way that he lived, the way that he talked, the way that he treated his family, the way that he was always willing to serve, the way that he lived proved he does love Jesus. So in that moment, he didn't really need to say anything else. 
His life was a testimony, so his words were just backing up what his life was already showing. He finished his lesson that night, and the only thing he said was, I love Jesus, I just really love Jesus, I just really love Jesus. And after a few minutes of that, he sat down. And the preacher telling the story said, that was one of my favorite sermons. Not just because it was short, and definitely not because it was eloquent, it wasn't thought-provoking. There wasn't a lot of scripture. There was no captivating stories. But he said, that sermon was raw and from the heart. He said, that was an at-home mountaintop experience. It may have been a small mountain, but it was still a mountaintop experience. And because of the heat today, as I get ready to close this sermon, I'll tell you this. I really love Jesus. I just really love Jesus. Maybe if I can just say one thing, I'll communicate that today. But throughout my life, Jesus has taken me back to the mountain over and over and over again to remind me that I do love him and that he loves me. But often my love for Jesus falls short. And so I'm also reminded that I love Jesus because he first loved me. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10, in the middle of a great chapter explaining God's love, I'm just going to read one verse. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10, it says, this is love. Not that we loved God. It's not God didn't love us because we loved him first. God loved us first. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I love Jesus God loves me. God loves you. He has shown it by sending his son to be an atoning sacrifice for your sins. If it's been a while since you've been to the mountain, or you desire that mountaintop experience, or you just want to know God, here in just a moment, we're going to open up an opportunity for you to meet with me or one of our elders, and we can pray for you. We can help you on this journey of wanting to know Christ. And if you truly love Jesus, kind of like that guy was saying, I just really love Jesus. But you don't know what the next step is. If you've never put on Christ in baptism, that would be the next step. To make that decision, to confess your faith in Jesus Christ, to be buried in the watery grave and to be resurrected just like Jesus was, to live a new life, to have your sins washed away, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That would be the first step in the journey of following Jesus. And if you have not been baptized, come talk to us about that. We may not have power, we may not have electricity, but we still have water. There was a baptism in here yesterday. So if that is a decision you want to make today, come up front and talk with us or set up a time to have a Bible study with us. If we can pray for you, if we can encourage you to meet God on that mountain, however we can help you, let's stand up and continue to sing.